Come on, let's do a little better than that, shall we? Good morning, New Life Manitou Springs. Good morning. Praise the Lord. Uh, good to see a lot of you in here. I want, uh, if you don't mind, Tom and Karen to stand up real quick. If I could just honor you on Friday, they celebrated a wedding anniversary 56 years. Well done. Well done. You may be seated. I was texting them back and forth and they said, it seems like 56 years has gone by so quickly. That's the blessings of the Lord. That's a place of honor in our church for you guys. So thank you for being a great example of marriage. Uh, I want another couple to stand up, uh, a much younger couple to stand up and come forward. We're going to pray over a couple. If Jay and Ethan, you guys could come on up here. Uh, this is a, uh, if you guys know Jay and Ethan, come on up. Uh, Jay and Ethan, uh, Jay's very pregnant, and so uh, they're due in o end of October, and Ethan is in the Air Force. Thank you for your service. He's uh, going to bring Jay to, back to their home in Illinois, then he's going to come back, finish his assignment here, and maybe go to Wyoming. We're, we're still uh, wondering like what's going to happen. So they're, they're moving. This will be Jay's last Sunday with us, and they've been serving and serving and serving at this church. Uh, Ethan has been the middle school teacher, and we have a lot of middle school boys. I think it's usually like 10 boys and like one little girl back in there. Uh, and they all say uh, Ethan is one of the best teachers, if not the best teacher. And Jay has been serving. She's often up here singing and leading in guitar. So, so Ethan's going to uh, drive Jay to Illinois and then come back. So, but this is Jay's last Sunday. So would you, we're going to pray over them. We stretch out our hands and we pray for people. So as, a, as a, a symbol, as a metaphor that we're with you guys. So would you stretch out your hands and you guys, before you close your eyes, would you just look and see as, as I'm just thinking as you're moving, as you're having a baby, there's, there's not just friends here, there's a family here that loves you and we're gonna continue praying for you and for your goodness. So Lord, we pray over this couple. Lord, uh, we pray Psalm 121 that says, that as they lift their eyes to the hills, as they ask, Lord, where's our help come from? Lord, that they know the help comes from you, the maker of heaven and earth, and you will not let their foot slip. You who watch over them, Lord, you won't let the sun harm them by day nor the moon at night. You will watch over their coming and their going both now and forevermore. We pray this over this young couple in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, Amen. All right, I'll let you guys get back to sitting down. Um, yeah, they are incredible. It seems like they've been coming here years and years and years, but I think, I don't know, you've probably been here less than a year, maybe maybe right or at a year, and it seems like years and years you've been serving with us, so that's the Lord's blessing. Uh, let's see, a couple announcements. Uh, we have incredible ministries. You know, we exist as a church to make disciples uh, of each other and, and to go out from here and make disciples and tell people about Jesus, and we have, we have a lot of great ministries. Two of them are our men's ministry, which I, I have to hands down say wonderful things about our men's ministry. A lot of churches don't have men's ministry. It's like, oh, it's too hard to gather the men. We'll do an event here and there. We have a legitimate men's ministry led by Chris Ayers right over here. Give a wave, Chris Ayers. God bless you. Um, 
and we have a retreat coming up. September, next month, September 8th, 9th, and 10th. Everybody pay attention to this, men and women, because we need to get the word out. This is an incredible retreat. Uh, it's not cost prohibitive. 25 bucks, all your meals, and includes a t-shirt, and it's wonderful. If you've talked to some of the men in here, I bet half of the men in here are more have been, and it's a wonderful time. The theme this year that KJ, KJ Wave in the back, he's in the very back corner back there, he came up with the theme and has written kind of a curriculum, your journey begins in the wilderness, kind of taking some of Jesus' journey in the wilderness and how Jesus was prepared and preparing for ministry and how we as men will go into the mountains and prepare for life, for marriage, for our jobs, for, for living as men in the world. So that's the theme. Uh, there is a QR code. It's uh, when, As you leave outside, there's a little, uh, a little card like this. If you scan that, it goes to more information and you can register there. And then our women's ministry this Thursday is, you probably saw on your seats, a little pink card. Uh, it includes uh, the date, the time, and the address. Uh, the Shellamers, Linda and John, if you would wave. I think we're all just taking turns waving today. Um, but Linda and John have opened up their house. You might have a, a really nice backyard. Their backyard is better, and they've been blessed. And their backyard overlooks Red Rocks. It's amazing. It's beautiful. And it's the location of this week's Thursday's finale of our women's ministry stories and songs for the summer where women get together and somebody will share their story. Laura, where's Laura at? She's sharing her story. Where's Laura? Uh, she's sharing her story. I see that hand. She, we just voluntold. You didn't tell her yet? Well, Ashley told her that you told me this, but Laura, we have it on record that you might be sharing. Uh, Jenny Sue, would you wave? She's definitely sharing. I asked her this week. And then Sarah Breyer, I don't know if she's sharing their stories. And so women, this is truly a great, you know, you might have friends in your life. They're like, I don't know if they would come to church. If I invited them to church, they might say something like, I don't know if organized religion. I don't know if I want to come to church. But how about someone's backyard? It overlooks Red Rocks. There's snacks. There's other women celebrating and sharing their own stories. So this is a great opportunity, truly, for women to gather and to invite women who might not come to church, but just want to come and hear another woman's story and have a wonderful Thursday night. So those, those cards are on all your seats. Let's begin to study the Word of God. All of that was just a prequel to the introduction of the sermon. I mean, what are we at? Like eight minutes in so far? We haven't even started. We haven't even introduced the topic yet for today. And today's topic, it's going to be kind of like this. So you ready to see what I'm going to do? It's kind of like this. You know what I'm doing? I'm looking out. We're about to start an adventure. So I'm like looking out and I'm about to take a step into a new adventure, a new book of the Bible that we are going to open up. We're going to open up the word of God. We're going to look at a book between now and Thanksgiving. It's, it's a book of the Bible that has so many different stories. It's got kings. It's got prophets. It's in the, new, it's in the Old Testament. This book that we're about to study uh, for quite a few weeks, maybe 15, 14, weeks is the book of First Kings. So if you have a Bible, open it to First Kings. If you have a phone with a Bible app on it, that's how you normally read and study the word. You could pull out your phone. Don't do other sites. Just pull out the Bible. Stay concentrated. Stay focused. I know those text messages that they'll, that, don't worry, after church, you could respond. But turn in your Bibles to Second Kings, uh, sorry, First Kings chapter 2, verse 1. And today I want to open up the Word of God with you and talk to you about good 
advice. I want to talk to you about good advice. Have you ever been intrigued by really good advice? Someone gives you good advice and it ends up changing your day, changing your life, changing the course of, of, of what you're doing. Uh, I'll give you two examples. When I, uh, years ago, picked up fly fishing, any fly fishermen or women, fly anglers in here? A couple, oh, raise your hands high. Oh, we only have a couple of people that fly fish. Tom, meet Scott, that's it. You guys need to get out and fly fish. It's really fun. And, but it is very like just aggravating. It's a hard thing to learn. So when I picked up fly fishing, I was on my back cast snapping off flies. And, and this is like 20 years ago when $3 a fly was very painful for me to lose. And it wouldn't be that nice now either. But I was snapping these things off left and right, probably 10 every time I went fishing. I'd fish for like two hours, half of the time. I'd snap off 10 flies, have to spend five minutes retying a fly and just like, ah, oh, I lost another fly. And I, every time, like, I would back cast and they were snapping off flies. I was so frustrated. I asked a fellow fisherman that I didn't even know down the river. I was like, I keep snapping off flies. What am I doing? What's wrong with me? And he said, well, let me see you cast. And so I cast it. And sure enough, as I'm casting, I snap off a fly. And he very quickly says, oh, all you need to do is when you're back casting, wait a second, and then cast forward. And I started doing that, and I have never, since that day, since a random stranger gave me advice, snapped off a fly on my back cast. All I needed was a little tiny piece of advice. Here's another example of good advice. Uh, in, in my early 20s, starting the job at New Life Church, I was an associate pastor uh, with the college ministry. I did that for years and years. And I remember my first couple months of, of the job and getting that paycheck from like a real big boy job of like full-time work. And I was like, wow, I'm rich. I got so much money. And I sat down with a guy and he was helping with me with my taxes. And he said, Joe, let me give you just the classic advice uh, for, for, for money and, and, and saving and, and spending. He said, live on 80%. Have you heard this advice? It's just common kind of classic advice. Live on 80%. Don't even look at 10%. Put that into savings. Don't even look at another 10%. Give that to the church. Tithe. Give to the kingdom of God. Don't even think about it. Just right off the top, 10% goes to saving. 10% goes to tithing. That's what tithe means, a 10%. And you live off 80%. And I was like, oh, okay, I never really heard that before. Or maybe I did and I didn't really pay attention, but now I'm at a place in my life where, oh, I could do that. That makes sense. And so for the last, I don't know, 20 plus years, I've been doing that. And looking back, I was like, wow, we have, we have a savings. We've been giving to the church this whole time. What a wonderful thing with my finances, like that little piece of advice was. Today, I want to share with you some advice about life. From the word of God, uh, you know, a lot of people pay big money for counselors, guides, advisors, life coaches. And today, what I have for you from the word of God, not my advice, but advice from the word of God is a very quick two-sentence piece of advice about life. And if I was to summarize it, I would title it this. The title of today's sermon coming right from this passage of scripture is this, to keep God's decrees, commands, laws, and regulations. This is the title of today's sermon. It's what David tells to Solomon. David's the father. He's the king. The next king in line is his son on his deathbed. The gist of what he says, this advice he gives for life is to keep God's decrees, commands, laws, and regulations. So would you stand with me? We're going to read this passage. Once again, 1 Kings chapter 2, starting in verse 1. 
The advice itself is just going to be two sentences, so lean your heart into what I'm about to read from the Word of God. It says this, when the time drew near for David to die. So we have David, you know, the the David of David and Goliath, the David who becomes uh, the the great king uniting the tribes of Israel, the great uh, anointed Old Testament figure that is Christ-like, Messiah-like of the Old Testament. This guy, this man, David, is about to die, and he gives a charge to Solomon. That's his son. Verse 2, I'm going the way of all the earth. That's a euphemism. He's, he's, He's about to die. He's on his deathbed. He said, so here starts the advice, so be strong and act like a man. And, and that, that phrase has maybe been hijacked by our society. You know, be a man. And what that means is, you know, it's, it's don't ask for directions or, uh, you, you know, fighting and drinking and womanizing. Oh, be a man. You know, it's a, that's, that's not what being a man is. Being a man is courageous and giving and, and like Jesus and following the ways of the Lord. So Solomon directs, excuse me, David directs Solomon, be strong, act like a man. Verse 3 says this. And observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in obedience to him. Keep his decrees and commands, his laws and regulations. As written in the law of Moses, do this so that you may prosper in all you do and wherever you go. And that the Lord may keep his promise to me. So David then quotes the Lord, a promise given to David from the Lord. This is the Lord speaking now. If your descendants watch how they live, and if they walk faithfully before me with all their heart and soul, you will never fail to have a successor on the throne of Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Christ is in our midst. Let's pray. God, we want to honor you with our lives. We receive this advice that's in the word of God that we should with our lives keep your laws, your decrees, your precepts, your statutes. We should live our lives according to your ways. And you promise us that if we do that, we will be blessed. We will prosper. So Lord, we thank you for this word today. May we dive into it. May the words of my mouth, the meditations of our heart be holy, pleasing, and acceptable to you, Lord, our rock and our Redeemer. We love you and praise you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and all God's people shouted, amen. 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 You may be seated. This first point is a direct quote from what I just read. It's quite simply to walk in obedience to him. Walk in obedience to him. That's the, the gist of this advice that David gives to Solomon to stay on the right path to walk according to the ways and the laws of the Lord, to not take a black and white decision and make it gray. You know what I'm talking about? If you've been there before, trying to justify your decision, you know what you should be doing. And you want to go down this path, though. So we make it a gray area. You know what? Everybody's looking at me like I'm crazy. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Like we justify things. We know we're supposed to, you know, really, we're supposed to go here, but we would like to go here and so we, we justify. We think, oh, well, other people are doing it. Uh, this won't hurt too bad. Or, or maybe the ends will justify, you know, this, this trail that I want to blaze right here. Or I'm just going to have a little fun. The Lord says, follow my ways and you'll actually be blessed. This other way, this, this way of darkness, it, it seems like it could be fun. It seems like there could be blessing and goodness there. But no, 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 no. 
The real way of the Lord is to stay on his path, and that's the real way of blessing. You see, David is giving this advice. The, the book of 1 Kings begins with this wonderful piece of advice. David saying to Solomon, hey, stay on the right path, obey the Lord, and, and there will be successors of the kingdom of Israel, and it will go on and on, and there will be so much blessing. And what a great way to start a book about the kings. Like the, the book of Kings is about, guess what? Kings, good job. Uh, and so all these kings, you think, oh, this is going to be great. Here's the advice, and they're all going to take it, and it's all going to work out great. But the advice is given. Solomon starts to take it. Like next week, we'll talk about the Solomon asking for wisdom. Or the week after that, we'll probably talk about Solomon's temple. And then it goes downhill from there. People begin to follow their own path instead of the way of the Lord. And I, I, you could quote me on this. I think the book of Kings is a soap opera of failure. These kings are like, a, it's like, a, like all these details and all these stories. And, and the Bible has no problem just sharing everybody's business and all their sins that they get entangled in. And it ends up being a soap opera of failure, which is not what we're supposed to do. You know this, right? Like, like the Bible records prescriptions. You know what a prescription is, right? Like you're supposed to do this. And the Bible also records descriptions, like of what happened. And sometimes the descriptions are of people royally messing up. The book of 1 Kings is a whole bunch of stories of people royally messing up. It starts off with good advice. It starts off with, here's the path, stay on this. And it ends up with lots in lots of failure, which gives me hope because at the end of this series, we're going to say, well, yeah, look at all these stories of people messing up. What's the solution? Is there anyone who can save? Is there anyone who is righteous? Is there anyone who can truly lead and be a truly anointed and truly be the Messiah? It leaves a longing in the Old Testament for who? Jesus is the right answer. Good job, congregation. Jesus, it leaves us all wanting and desiring a true king, a true Messiah, a truly anointed one that can save us and the God's people. So that's where this whole sermon is, not just today's sermon, but the sermons in the weeks to come is heading. I want to compare David, the, the guy giving the advice to someone you've, I'm sure, heard of. Uh, I got to read over the summer and the spring. I was on this kick to read some biographies about Elvis Presley. I don't know what, I don't know what, what inspired me. I, I, I read a book about the faith of Elvis, and I was like, oh, wow, this, this guy grew up in the church. He began to use his voice and the gifts God had given him to sing in church. He went to a charismatic church and was just belting out praises and hymns, and he really grew as a, as a voice uh, at his, using his music. And then he just became really, like, beyond famous, like beyond well-known, beyond gifted, like people at the time of Elvis would go crazy. Like, and, and I compare, you might disagree with this comparison, but I was like, oh, I wonder, like the, the comparison of David and Elvis, two men, both musically talented, two men famous, beyond famous, two men fortunate, two men with like all this notoriety and people wanted to be with them and people knew who they were and they were so well loved. And yet both of these figures, David and Elvis, it's kind of a weird comparison. Hopefully you don't leave here being like, yeah, Joe, Joe said Elvis and David are the same, same thing. Uh, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying there's some comparisons with the fame and the fortune. And then both of their lives take a turn 
for disaster. Like both of them struggled with women and adultery. Both of them struggle with anxiety and depression. Like you read some of David's Psalms and he's like, my tears have been my food day and night. People are calling out to me, where's your God? And I have no place to go. And my God, my God, why, why, why aren't you here? And it's like you see the depression and anxiety in David's writing as he wrote uh, half the book of Psalms. And you see that in Elvis's life with, with his descent into addictions, his descent into uh, all these different relationships with all these different women. And both of them have kind of an ending of their life that is like, oh, that, that's not where they should have ended up. They knew the truth. And they knew the good advice. David has this great advice to give to Solomon. And I'm going to tell you, it's, it's from a place where David made some mistakes. If you don't know David's story, he's the guy that uh, you probably all know, David and Goliath. He goes on to become king. And then many of you probably, if not all of you, know the story of David and Bathsheba. He commits adultery. And to cover up that, that sin, do you know what he does? He has Bathsheba's wife killed. Husband, thank you. Uriah, the Hittite. Hey, can you imagine? Like, like to cover up this one sin has her husband killed. Like murders this other man to cover another sin. Like how far he has fallen. And it's out of those mistakes that he writes Psalm 51. Are you familiar with Psalm 51? It's a psalm where David goes to the Lord and repents. Have mercy on me, my God, according to thy great mercy, according to the multitude of tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. Make me whiter than snow. You're the one who is able to do that. Though my sins are like scarlet, you will wash me and make me new by, my, by your sacrifice. It's a beautiful psalm of repentance. And it's advice. It's a psalm that can only be written out of turning from disaster. So David is the one giving this advice to his son Solomon. And it's from a place of, well, he's, he's gone through life. He has made some good decisions and he's made some really poor decisions. And on his deathbed, he tells the next in line, his son, you need to follow the Lord's ways. That's actually the blessed life. You need to follow the Lord's precepts and his decrees and his ways and not end up on a path of impurity. Do not end up on the path of darkness. Stay with the Lord. Stay on his path. And that's where blessing comes from. That's point number one. This is point number two. It's continuation. Point number two is this, if you're taking notes, walk in obedience, that was the point number one, so that you may prosper. This is what blessing really looks like. We see in the book of 1 Kings, 22 chapters of, of starting off pretty good and then ultimate disaster. Starts with David, he dies, gives the kingdom to Solomon. Seems like it's got a pretty good start. We'll, we'll look at next week, uh, him asking for wisdom, him building a temple, and then Solomon's own life kind of, it does not end up very well. He passes uh, the kingdom to his son. That ends up horribly. The, the kingdom splits. And then for another, I don't know how many chapters, it's king after king failing to worship, failing to lead the, the generation and the nation to God. There's a prophet who rises up to warn the nation. His name is Elijah. So if you're wondering, oh, is that the book with Elijah? Yes. First Kings is the book with Elijah. So we'll get to all those Elijah stories if you're familiar with the prophet Elijah. He tries to warn. He fails. The nation still is falling apart. People are not turning back to God. People are not following 
this advice that David gave to Solomon and saying, if you follow this, all your successors will be blessed and prosperous because that's what blessing and prosperity looks like. It looks like following the Lord. So walk in obedience so that you may prosper. Point number three, that was a quick point. Point number three is blessed are those whose ways are blameless. This is the first lines of a very special psalm. Do you know what the longest psalm in the Bible is? Anybody know? Psalm 119. It has 176 verses. It's the longest chapter in the whole Bible. In fact, if you just open up your Bible, uh, most of the time you'll just end up right in Psalms and the middle of the Psalms is Psalm 119, which is kind of fun. And it's such a big Psalm that you're just like, wow, we're still on this Psalm. It's pages and pages. 176 verses, 22 stanzas. Do you know about this Psalm? It's kind of, it follows, you know what an acrostic is? Like uh, when the first line of a sentence starts with a certain letter, you could spell out words, or in this case, Psalm 119 spells out the alphabet. It's the Hebrew alphabet, Aleph, Bet, Gimel, Dalah, Hey. I, I should know the whole thing. I took a year of Hebrew, but that's all I know. That's all I can remember. That's 20 years ago. Um, but the whole Hebrew alphabet, the, the first stanza of eight verses, every, every verse starts with a word that starts with Aleph or A. The next one is B or Bet, and it goes to 22 uh, letters of the Hebrew alphabet. It's the ABCs literally, of Hebrew, and the ABCs of faith. And tradition has it that this psalm was written by David and taught to his son Solomon. The tradition is that David, uh, with this psalm, taught Solomon not only the literal ABCs or the Aleph Bet in, in Hebrew, but literally the ABCs of faith. If you read Psalm 119, and you should. It'll take about 15 minutes. Once again, it's a very long psalm. If you read Psalm 119, you will see that every single verse, 176 verses with just a couple exceptions, contains the idea that, that we are blessed when we follow the laws, the precepts, the commandments, the decrees, the ways of the Lord. Every single verse, I think minus two or three, has something about how blessed we are, how wonderful it is when we follow the ways of the Lord. So think about this image. And this, this part of the sermon is based upon tradition that David uh, wrote this psalm to teach Solomon both the alphabet and the ABCs of faith. But if you can imagine David teaching little Solomon this psalm, teaching him from a very young age, that you'll be blessed if you follow in the ways of the Lord. Isn't it interesting? Isn't it beautiful that on David's deathbed, what is his advice to Solomon, his son, who's going to take and reign after him? What is his advice? It's the exact advice in all of Psalm 119. It's the exact thing. Think about it. Let me reread it for you. Observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in obedience to him. Keep his decrees, commands, laws, regulations as written in the law of Moses. Do this so that you may prosper in all you do and wherever you go. And the Lord may keep his promise. David's deathbed advice is the same thing he as a father taught his little son Solomon. As he was memorizing 
praying through, singing or saying this Psalm 119, his advice has always been, follow the ways of the Lord. And I can't, can't help but think, uh, knowing a little bit about David's life, that he didn't follow his own advice. He didn't follow the, the, the laws, the precepts, the requirements of the Lord and, and made royal, horrible mistakes with his life um, at a certain season in his life. And I imagine there's many of us in here that would say, yeah, we've, we've wandered. We've, we've walked away from the Lord. We, we often know, don't we, that like the, the path that we should be on. And we often find ourselves not on it through maybe daily or, or weekly or decisions that we've made along the way. We end up in a place where I, I shouldn't be here. And we maybe one day kind of wake up and recognize like, oh, I'd I need to lay this aside. I've gotten weak. I've gotten addicted. I've gotten uh, so far from where I'm supposed to be. You know, the Lord is there to forgive you. Do you know the Lord is there, Jesus and his sacrifice, to cover your sins, to wash over you, to bring you new life out of death and out of a bad decision. There's always time to follow him and to follow his ways. You know, the vision of this church has always been to, to stay steady on the path of righteousness. And I think there's, in, just in my own life and in the life of this church, there's, there's been some great days, some heroic days, days where we launched, days where we had a kids camp this summer, days where like last week we were baptizing people, some pretty awesome days that stand out in all the days. But you know, 99.9% of the days of this church or my life have been just daily following the Lord. There's been a few awesome days along the way, but I think I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to everyone now where, where sometimes we just think, oh, someday I'll change. Someday uh, I'll do this or I'll do that. And maybe what the Lord is speaking to you through this message, through the word of God, through this advice that David gives his son Solomon, is that life of faith is day after day making the right decisions for the Lord, no matter how small, day after day, following in his ways. We're going to come to the table now. I want to invite the band to come back. They're going to have one last song for us this morning. The communion team, you guys can come forward and prepare. Um, everyone else, would you stand with me? I, have, I want to say something about coming forward today. Maybe a, a shift in, in some thinking of, of how we come forward and receive communion. Um, as we come forward in this room, it's, it's like a journey. And it's, it's a small room. And the journey around this room to receive the elements and go back to your seat is what? I'm not good. Maybe 20-yard journey. But I want to say something this morning. That if, if you have something, and I think the Holy Spirit can, can speak to you. The Holy Spirit can convict and to guide you into the love of Jesus. And, and God loves you. I was just thinking this morning of, of, of a word that, that I need to tell you how much God loves you. God loves you. And, and some of you are on a path where you're like, well, I've, I've, I've strayed from the Lord and uh, I've ended up someplace where maybe you're wondering that. You're questioning, does, does God love me? Maybe you've made mistakes in your life and you're, you're truly wondering, does, is God here? Does God love me? I want to tell you, he, he does. He chases down the sinner in his love. He brings them to himself. He invites everyone to his table. 
So if you're new to New Life Manitou, the first thing I wanna say is, is everyone's invited to this table. If you, if you have put your faith in Jesus, if you wanna put your hope and faith in Jesus, then you come forward. And here's what I wanna say this morning, something, um, as you come through the line, as you come through the middle, so, so as you go, you'll, you'll follow your um, row out to the middle, you'll come down. Would you be thinking of something you know you need to give to the Lord? Maybe it's uh, an addiction. Maybe it's a, a way of thinking. Maybe it's a, a mistake you've made and, and you need to, to drop this off. You need to leave it behind you. As you come forward, would you think about that and what, what that thing is? And would you, would you lay it metaphorically, spiritually here on the altar? Would you, would you give that over to the Lord? Come through, lay it down before the Lord. And then as you have empty hands, would you turn and would you receive communion? The communion servers will say Christ's body. Christ's blood for you. You'll receive Jesus. You'll receive his grace. You'll receive his mercy. Would you receive that knowing that these are the gifts of God for the people of God, the body of Christ, broken for the body of Christ. Receive it. Go back to where you're seated and I'll come back up and we'll, we'll receive together. We'll eat the, the bread and we'll receive the cup in unison. But Lord, as we come forward today, as we pray to you right now, Lord, would we come with a heart that's open and willing for you? Lord, you don't ask us to carry our sins. You want to carry our sins for us. And so, Lord, we, we bring them to you. We bring them to the altar to lay down. And, Lord, we, we pick up your gift. We pick up the gift of God for the people of God. We pick up your body and your blood shed for us. In this moment, I'm just thinking of, Lord, how some of us have maybe gone to someone's house to, to have dinner and we've forgotten to bring something. It's, it's an image I often think about for receiving communion, that we, we come to your house and, and we look at ourselves and we think, oh, I've forgotten to bring something. I don't have anything. I didn't even bring flowers or a drink. or I have nothing to give. And Lord, you welcome us into your house. You stand at the door and knock and you invite us in to your place, to receive a meal from you, a meal of forgiveness, a meal of hope, a meal of your sacrifice for our sins. So Lord, it's with that that we come to your table. We come willing. We come opening the door to what you have for us. We come in your love, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.